Well, I'm really excited. Today we're starting a, a new Christmas message series, and I've decided to call it More Than a Story. You know, one thing you'll learn about myself, about my family, um, we get super excited about Christmas. We love Christmas. And if I had it my way, the Christmas music would start uh, just right after Halloween, and then we'd put the tree up right after that. Anybody else in the same boat? So you love the Christmas music. So my wife is actually the one that has to hold me back every year, and she doesn't let me really get into the Christmas spirit until after Thanksgiving. So uh, the day after Thanksgiving, you know, we're putting the tree up, but again, if I had it my way, November and December would be all about Christmas. Uh, I actually saw, I won't call him out, I'm not going to do that this morning, but we had a, a church member that had a Facebook post uh, just a couple weeks ago, and I thought, I saw it, and I thought it'd be perfect for the message today, and they, so they, they wrote this on their Facebook uh, page, and I think they were uh, using somebody else's words, but they said, some people think it snows in November because we prematurely decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving, <laughs> and I just thought, you know, in this part of the country, a lot of people probably feel that way, right? But it's after Thanksgiving, and I'm here to say I am excited about Christmas, and I hope you are too. You know, there are certain things in our culture that do help move people into the, the Christmas season. And I've noticed that for many people, you know, Jack, you mentioned this a little bit this morning. For many people, the Christmas season starts with Black Friday, you know, in our culture. And uh, the things that we want for Christmas, the things that we want to gift to other people for Christmas, they go on sale. And we see the start of this Christmas rush. And before we had kids, Faith and I, we had a tradition. We would actually go out on Black Friday with her family. And uh, we would shop and just spend time together. It was time for the family to get together. But now, you know, that we have kids, uh, Am- uh, St. Amazon has become our friend. <laughs> so um, it has everything sent to our house. And then, uh, but... We, uh, it, it, it was good times, we just don't, and she'll, she'll still try to get me to go out on Black Friday sometimes, but I'd rather just stay at home, and it's not for me, I guess, in my old, young age. I'm getting there, so, but, you know, Black Friday is one of those things. It might be the, the unofficial, official start of the Christmas season in our, in our country, you know, but on a side note, if you're here this morning and you work in food or retail, that's probably the worst day of year for you, and I won't have you raise your hand, but... Uh, that I just, our hearts go out to you this morning. If that is you and you're working in, in retail and food this time of year, that's a really hard time uh, to work in that industry. You know, the Christmas season is full of traveling, uh, family gatherings, uh, there are office parties, uh, breaks from school, which the kids love, and then the parents are absolutely ready for them to go back when it's over. Bright lights, stockings, um, amazing food and and gifts. And for many of us, this describes our Christmas. Like many of you, you know, I I really love this time of year. But during the Christmas season, maybe you've noticed this. There's also some really strange things that happen as well. So I have a couple of pictures that I want to show you this morning. Uh, The first picture I'm going to throw up on the screen this morning is a picture of a billboard that stood right outside the Lincoln Tunnel in New Jersey just a few years ago. So if our sound guys are following along with the message this morning, they'll know to put up the first picture. There we go. <laughs> so this was just a couple years ago. It stood right outside the Lincoln Tunnel in New Jersey. And the message says, you know it's a myth. This, re- this season celebrate reason. So for, for a few months, actually, anyone exiting the Lincoln Tunnel would have seen this. And this particular billboard, um, it was sponsored by the American Atheists, and they chose the Christmas season to spread their own version of holiday cheer. <laughs> so this is what they put up. Pretty cheerful, huh? 
Now, the great thing about the country that we live in is that you're able to speak your mind, right? And in keeping with our Western culture Christmas fashion, the billboard wars didn't stop there. So there was also a group of Christians in New Jersey who decided to spend what I imagine was a crazy amount of money, and they wanted to get their message across. So just right across the highway in New Jersey, the next slide is the billboard that they put up. This is just right across the street, and it says, you know it's real this season— celebrate Jesus. So imagine this, you're driving through the Lincoln Tunnel, you're exiting. For, for people exiting the tunnel, you would see one message on one side of the highway, and then you'd see a completely different message on the other side. So it's back and forth for people. On one side, it's a myth, and on the other side, it's real. On one side, it's a myth, and the other side, it's real. It's just nonstop. So why do I bring up the billboard wars for you this morning? Well, because if I had to guess, I would say that at some point in many of our lives, um, we've wondered if the details and the specifics behind the Christmas story was and is true. Now, I understand that might be hard for you to admit today, especially when your house is in the process of being decorated for Christmas, or maybe, maybe it's already done. Uh, your tree may or may not be up yet, and you're, you're probably starting to make plans for Christmas. You know, this really isn't the time of year to publicly and vocally say that you don't necessarily believe the whole story. It's not really the time of year to question if the Christmas story really happened. You know, for some of us, if you ask that question, even just as a question to your families, you, you, you might be disowned from your family or even written out of their will completely. You know, these aren't thoughts that we generally express out loud, but truth be told, many people struggle with believing the original Christmas story. In fact, maybe you're here today and, and you're thinking, you know, I, I believe in Jesus. I just don't know about the whole uh, virgin birth, angels talking, and, and wise men or magi following a star. I mean, when you read the story, how, do, how, how, do, how does a group of people even follow a star? You know, and how, how does a virgin birth happen? And what makes these things even more complicated for many people is that when we read the story, there, there are a lot of other interesting things that allegedly happened in the heavens when other people were born. So, for example, just one, when Julius Caesar was born, there were stories about stars lining up in his honor, specifically Jupiter and Mars. And that's just one story through history that you'll find. One thing you'll find, though, when you're, you're studying history is that when it comes to strange things happening in the heavens when other famous people were born, um, the stories that have been told didn't surface until hundreds of years later, long after everyone who was around at that particular time had died. Now, in Jesus' case, uh, the stories about his birth and the miracles around his birth, they surfaced long before uh, anyone knew that he was going to have any kind of historical significance. Now, beyond that, you know, the, the Christmas story can still feel very mythical and, and very challenging for many people to believe. So, as we begin a new message series today, I felt like it would be appropriate for us and important for us to address some of our questions and some of our disbelief, maybe, about some of the truth claims that the Bible makes when it comes to the Christmas story. You know, I believe that if you have a hard time with what God's Word teaches— about the birth of, of Jesus, it may also keep you from investigating the other parts of, of the Old and New Testament. It, it may also keep you from growing um, in your faith throughout the rest of the year. 
This is why the verses that we're going to read today might be the, the most important verses uh, for you this season. It might just be the verses that God uses to get a hold of you this season and, and start to pull away the Christmas story as merely a myth or even some of the specifics and details that you've wrestled with and give you a new passion and a new desire to grow in your relationship with God. I'm going to move my Bible down here this morning because it's kind of getting in my way for this point of the message. So the name of our series is called More Than a Story, and today's message is the the title message for our series, and I believe that the power, I truly believe this, that the power behind the Christmas story is just that. It's more than a story, and that's what we're going to explore this morning. So I'd like us to bow our heads, and we'll close our eyes, and we're going to pray together this morning, and then we'll dive into the first message in this series. Father, as we look to your word this morning, I pray that Maybe some of the questions that we have about the specifics and the details behind the birth of our Savior would, uh, would be answered today. That we would be encouraged through your word that it's okay for us to have um, some doubt in our lives at time. Because often we see through the story of scripture that you take people's doubt and you grow it into greater faith. So Lord, that's my prayer today. That we would be encouraged as we leave here today that you are who you say you are. And that you have accomplished what your word says you have accomplished. And that as a church we would grow in faith. And that we would preserve, preserve unity in our church. And that you would be glorified above all else. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So the traditional Christmas story is found in the book of Luke. And that's where we're going to set up camp for the next few weeks. Um, we call Luke a book, but it, it really isn't a book. You see, Luke is an ancient document that was written in the first century. We believe sometime around 60 A.D., um, give or take a few years. So that's over 2,000 years ago. And it was so important then, and it's so important now, that people have, have read it, uh, copied it, and passed it around until eventually this, this ancient document was collected with other ancient documents, and they became what we know as the New Testament. Now, we call this particular document Luke because it was written by a Greek Gentile doctor named Luke. Now, as followers of Jesus uh, today, as a church, we believe what 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, which is that all Scripture is God-breathed. We believe that the Old and New Testaments combined are not just a collection of stories, We believe that they're not just a collection of myths or human ideas about God. We believe that through the Holy Spirit, God revealed his person and plan to certain individuals, certain believers like Luke, who wrote down God's message for God's people. And that's why we call the Bible the inspired word of God. And although the writers, they they did use their own minds, they used their own talents and language, They, they even used their own writing style as we see all throughout God's word. They wrote what God wanted them to write under the direction of the Holy Spirit. It's also important to remember that Luke um, wasn't Jewish. And that might not seem like a big deal, but it really is. You see, the Jewish people were the ones who were looking, who were waiting and anticipating the arrival of a Messiah. And the Gentiles, everyone who wasn't Jewish and wouldn't have known or had access to the Old Testament scriptures, they didn't know to look for a Messiah. So for Luke, this this non-Jewish man, to write an account about a Jewish Messiah is really interesting. 
It's kind of a good starting point for us today. You see, Luke wasn't looking for a Messiah, certainly not a virgin-born Messiah. In fact, if you go back in history and you, you read some of the extra-biblical uh, documents that we have, we, we learn and we understand that none of the first-century Jews who were waiting for a Messiah were actually looking for a virgin-born Messiah. That, that wasn't really in the Jewish people's job description for the Messiah. And that's because there was a misinterpretation of the Old Testament scriptures for many people. See, there were a lot of fake messiahs who showed up over the course of many years, and and none of them announced that they were the messiah and said, oh, by the way, I'm not really sure if my earthly dad is really my dad. (laughs) They didn't say that. In fact, if they would have said that, people would have written them off immediately as being the messiah because scripture was clear that the messiah had to come from King David's line. So in their minds, they thought that meant a biological earthly father and a biological earthly mother. And because no one was expecting a virgin birth, no one was looking for that. Luke certainly wasn't looking for that. And yet, even when this unlikely story um, started to surface, Luke embraced it. So Luke had a friend. Um, His friend's name is Theophilus. He was also a Christian. Now, when you read, when we read in a moment the first part of Luke's gospel, um, there are a few people who believe that Theophilus might have been talking about just the group of Christians that were in that area, um, or a specific uh, gathering of people. But most people agree that Theophilus was an individual; it was a person; it was his friend, and that, that's what I believe as well. So Luke had this friend named Theophilus. He, he was also a Christian, and like many Christians today. It's believed that Theophilus, he, he, he believed in Jesus on, a, on maybe even a little deeper than a surface level. He heard the stories. He believed in the person and the work of Jesus, what Jesus accomplished on the cross. But he wasn't quite sure about some of the specifics. He wasn't quite sure about some of the details. See, Theophilus, like Luke, he lived in the first century. He lived during a time when many people who personally knew Jesus were still alive. So imagine this for, for just a moment. Many, many of the people who were eyewitnesses of the crucifixion, people who were eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus, were still alive. They were still walking around at this time. And knowing this helps us understand really the beginning, the purpose and direction of Luke's gospel. See, when Luke wrote the words that we're going to read today, um, he called it an orderly account of the life of Jesus because he was able to gather firsthand information from people who had personally witnessed these things. They saw these things with their own eyes. These verses, they, they weren't meant to just be read once a year. They, they're meant to help set a firm foundation for all of our lives and how we read, understand, and apply God's word every time we gather as a church throughout the New Testament, throughout the year. So what I want to do this morning, I'd like to read the first four verses of Luke. And then we're going to go back and just look at each verse individually this morning. Just the first four verses. And and I hope we'll be challenged with that. So if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to Luke uh, chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And uh, if you have your physical Bibles, that's great. If you have your... Uh, your, your phone or your tablet, you, you can look up the Bible app as well, and then we'll have the words on the screen this morning. So this is the words that we read today. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. 
They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Now, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. This is so important as we begin to understand the beginning of Luke's gospel. So what I want to do is look at verse 1 again. We'll go to the next slide and we'll read this as, as a church. So many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. So the accounts that, that Luke is talking about are the events that happened in and around the life of Jesus. This is really neat because before Jesus was known around the world, before the church spread all over the world, Luke, back in the very first century, says, Theophilus, a lot of people are trying to get the story straight. A lot of people are trying to write an orderly account. A lot of people are trying to take the stories that we've heard and put them into some sort of chronological order so that we can know with absolute certainty what really happened. And Luke is saying, I'm going to be one of those people. And that's why we have other gospel accounts as well, like Matthew, Mark, and John. All of these guys did the same thing. In fact, the first four books of the New Testament are their individual accounts of the birth life and ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So as a doctor, Luke, he wants to know the facts. He wants to have an orderly account, everything in order. He wants to make sure that we have an accurate account of what really happened. So he continues in verse 2. It says, We'll have the slide on the screen. They, they used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Now, that word disciples, it doesn't mean the 12. If you translate it from the original Greek, it really just means any person who was a believer at that time. So you're talking about a vast group of people. In other words, Luke is saying to Theophilus, the stories that I'm going to hand down to you, the account that I'm putting together, this isn't from third-hand information. This isn't fourth-hand information. You know, sometimes we do that in the church, right? We, we say something to one person, and then they'll pass it on to another person, and then they pass it on to another. And by the time it gets to the ears that really need to hear it, it's totally changed. <laughs> That's not what happened here. Luke is talking uh, to first-hand accounts. This isn't 200 years after the fact, like Julius Caesar. Luke is talking to eyewitnesses, and the, to the best of his ability, and keep in mind, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, he's putting together an accurate account of what really happened. This was important for Theophilus to know, and it's important for us as well. What I think is amazing, when you go back and study the individuals in the New Testament and the early church, um, Luke personally knew Peter. Think about this for a second. Uh, Luke personally knew Peter. He, he personally knew, and he actually spent time with the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine that? The guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He spent time with this guy. Now, Paul and Peter didn't really get along very well, but Luke was maybe that, that middle guy. Luke knew James, the brother of Jesus. And many people believe that if she were still alive at this time, we don't know, but chances are Luke would have met Mary, the mother of Jesus. So keep these things in mind as we keep reading. We'll read verse 3 together. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I've also decided to write an account, an accurate account, for you, most honorable Theophilus. 
So Luke is saying that the story he's about to retell, the account that he's about to give to Theophilus of the birth, life, and ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the result of investigating the facts, of spending time with eyewitnesses, the people who were actually there. So what I want to do, I want to reread verse 3, but I want to combine it with verse 4 as we wrap up uh, the message this morning. Luke 1, 3 and 4 says, Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I have also decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So Theophilus had been taught these things. Someone had taken the time to share Jesus with him. We don't know if that was Luke or if it was someone in his family, but somebody had taken the time to share Christ with Theophilus. And as Luke writes to his friend, I get the feeling that Theophilus might have been skeptical about some of the details, some of the specifics surrounding the story of Jesus. You know, that's no different than many people today, many people in our churches today. And maybe that's been you season after season, or maybe that's, that's where you're at this morning. You know, year after year, when, when Christmas comes around, you, you find it hard to believe the details. But Luke, with firsthand accounts and eyewitnesses, he sat down to write an orderly account so that his friend would know that he could trust the details. You know, instead of saying this to Theophilus, can you imagine if, he, if Luke just said, hey, I want you to just close your eyes and, and believe. He didn't say that. Luke is saying, check it out for yourself. Investigate for yourself. Do the work yourself and believe. You know, the Gospel of Luke was written to explain the details so that no stone would be left unturned as we read about the life and ministry of Jesus. So here's why this is so important for us today. If you're not a Christian, if you're here and you've considered believing in Jesus for the very first time, or you've had a personal faith in Jesus for many years, I want you to hear this. Christianity is not about belief in belief. Christianity is not about faith in faith. The foundation of Christianity is something that really happened over 2,000 years ago. It's having faith in historical events that actually happened. What Jesus actually accomplished in his birth, his life and ministry, his death, burial, and resurrection. The foundation of our faith is rooted in events that actually took place. Luke tells Theophilus, I understand that you need more information, so I've thoroughly investigated the events. Many of us have people like that in our lives. And maybe that's you this morning. You like to know the details. You like to know the events that surrounded the story that you heard. And that's okay. We should look into those things. We should explore those things. Luke is encouraging his friend that he, he's done all of this work so that, that Theophilus would be able to put the pieces together and know why he believes what he believes. Luke is saying, I've investigated and I've interviewed eyewitnesses and what I'm about to tell you and what I'm about to give you is an orderly account. It's not an account of made-up stories, but of something that actually happened. You see, many people are trying to get this straight. And because what's happened is so extraordinary, we dare not let any of the details slip away. You know, Luke's gospel doesn't start with 
maybe a, a favorite line for our kids for many of the, the children's stories that we read. It doesn't start with once upon a time. Luke's gospel doesn't start with my favorite line that starts my, my favorite trilogy, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This account begins with a non-Jewish person who had investigated the details and had believed in Jesus. Luke sat down for the sake of a friend who wanted to put the details together. He wrote an orderly account that went back to the very beginning and would be passed down from generation to generation. I love the stories throughout Scripture that actually mention uh, some of the acts of faith that people would have and how for generations people would remember that and they would speak of that. We would pass it down to our kids who would pass it to their kids. We would share the faith stories that are a part of our heritage. What Luke is writing to his friend has stood the test of time because it was inspired by God. God was active in its writing. I I heard this week, you know, some people go to church and they say, well, if it's not red letters, I don't know if I can trust it. Church, the entire Bible is red letters. God is the author of Scripture. Everything that's written down for you and for me is, is God breathed. We can trust it with absolute certainty. And I'm so appreciative of Luke. It's, it's, it's my favorite gospel to read because of the details. I like to read the details and I like to understand why things happened. Luke is saying many people are trying to get this straight. And because what's happened is so extraordinary, we dare not let it slip away. Luke wrote an orderly account that went back to the very beginning and would be passed down. What Luke gives us is not simply the story of Jesus. He gives us the real account of his birth, of his life and ministry, of his death, burial, and resurrection. And he presents Jesus as the Messiah, the true Son of God. So church, knowing what we now know, just from the first four verses of the Gospel of Luke, I want to challenge you this season. I want to challenge you to sing the Christmas songs with a new voice. To hear the Christmas story not as a myth, but as foundation to our faith. And a truth that will help us grow in our relationship with Christ this season. In the coming weeks, we're going to begin to piece together the true story of the birth of our Savior. And as we hear the story, let's hear it with fresh ears. Let's worship Jesus as the King of kings and as the Lord in our life.